Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. Put on your pajamas, order a pizza. We're going a little off the reservation today with this episode. It's going to be a little bit more relaxed, a little less scientific, and we're just going to pretty much shoot the shit. So Nick, as always, how are you doing and what are you drinking? I'm doing good, getting ready for the weekend. I'm drinking a Dead Guy Ale, which is probably my preferred beverage of choice. Nice. I'm joining you with the beverages. I'm doing a, another screwdriver this week. I don't know why, but vodka's been on my mind. But this episode is going to be a little different, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to give an insight into how we do the podcast, how we kind of started, and some Q&As about each other, or our thoughts and opinions, dreams, hopes, aspirations. But take a little synopsis for those who may have not heard every episode. Me and Nick have known each other for a long time. I would say probably close to a decade, if not over a decade at this point. I'm starting to lose track of time. Nick, we're turning into old men. But we met in high school. I'm not quite sure how we met. We've been friends ever, ever since, playing airsoft in backyards, getting shot at each other with paintballs, bonfires, drinking, cigars, the whole nine yards. And we just stayed friends throughout the entire year. Actually, Nick, do you happen to know how we met? Because I'll be honest, I can't quite remember. Is it a mutual friend of Matt or Barrett? Are you friends with Barrett? I didn't know you were friends with Barrett. Was Well, I think because he's friends with Matt. Isn't that how we met through those two? I met, maybe Matt. Maybe we met through Matt. But anyhow, we've been friends through for about, we'll just say a decade at this point, And we've always gone on dumb adventures and nick is a, a good companion for drinking and adventures because he he's both an enabler encourager and a man who i have high praises for because he'll be he'll join me with hold my beer moments but he'll also join me if i'm in trouble to pull me out we've gone camping together we've gone fishing together he's made me eat roadkill before that's a long story which refer not to remember but it's we've had interesting conversations with each other and that's kind of how this podcast came to be. We were up at uh, Nick's grandfather's cabin and everyone kind of went to bed. Fire's dying. It's cold snow outside. And we just had some cold ones and just staring outside and watching nature be nature. And we just started talking and we kind of grew. We've both been huge fans of history and science and mathematics. I don't know for Nick, but a huge, huge influence on me was the Juno Club, which was founded by Benjamin Franklin, which was just a just a club to bring in middle class or tradesmen and share ideas, books and knowledge. So I've always wanted to do a podcast and kind of out of the blue, uh, Nick, hit, Nick hit me up. And Nick, I'd like to hear how you kind of wanted to do this thing because I don't really know where that came from. That's funny. I was going to say you were the one who was the driving force behind this. And I think I was more just the only one willing to do it with you. <laughs> I uh, unfortunately have crazy ideas, but luckily I have crazy friends that join me like you, Nick. Well, like Mike said, you know, I'm a fan of science and history, and unlike Mike, probably less than the mathematics, unless it's simple geometry that I can use in my job. It's definitely not a fan of math. Calculator in my phone is my best friend. Um, but, you know, from why I want to do this podcast is 
You know, I like learning about different things, expanding my knowledge, but you know, you, you only learning and reading is so much of it. You know, when you talk through these issues with another person, you learn things that you didn't know before, build upon ideas, improve them. So I think it's making me smarter. But one of the other reasons I wanted to do this was um, I know there's a lot of issues that people talk about all the time in the news. And then, but they don't really talk about the underlying issues that, or the secondary tertiary effects. And I kind of just wanted, you know, like a lot of our podcasts talk about the effects, like the second, third order effects, like how we went deep in the fire podcast or, you know, just the storage of nuclear waste, not just about nuclear waste, but just how do we store it and that whole issue. Things that don't always get brought to the forefront that I really didn't have any idea about, but I was going to learn and shoot the shit and maybe drink some beer. Mike's probably one of the best guys to do uh, do that with, especially when you bring science into it as a mad scientist he is. <laughs> There's a point that you brought up in the beginning of the podcast that has really echoed with me and really influenced how I research topics we do. We'll talk about how we research topics and stuff like that. But Nick, you, you brought up a point that every industry thinks that they're the only industry that uses technology or their industry is so much better than another industry and it's just a lack of knowledge and it's it's been so eye-opening to see how both the foresters and the fishermen and nuclear science, uh, physicists and how everyone kind of gets trapped in their own bubble and it's it's nice to pop those bubbles and kind of be coherent unit i mean we're all human we all should be on humanity's side and that really echoed to me that i that thought process that you had nick and i'm not sure if you want to emphasize on that because i probably butchered it no i mean that's pretty much the point it's uh like i work in the forest products industry uh logging for those not familiar is just one aspect of that industry but it's the one that gets the most press and uh we have pretty much only bad press and part of the problem is the uh people who oppose us are really good at social media and people who go into that profession go into that profession largely because they don't like dealing with people so we don't have a lot of positive voices so and then all my i have a lot of friends who work in agriculture and stuff like that and they're the same way and uh we're largely regarded as you know for whatever reason, people don't seem to think that technology has infiltrated agriculture or forestry. I mean, logging, a profession that's been around since the Bible, people still seem to think that they have the same methods. It's men going out with cross-cut saws and cutting down trees, when in reality we have uh, like million-dollar machines that can be lowered down a hill by another million dollar machine to cut million dollars worth of products trees of any size <laughs> yeah all all sorts of things it's highly sophisticated the computers in those machines are what cost the most you know it's but it's crazy that no one understands that everyone seems to think that we're just a bunch of uh lumberjacks out there just cutting whatever tree but a lot of technology actually goes into it and it's crazy because i was talking to well a lot of people but this like this one girl who she i don't know we were like on a train or uh it's not a train a plane flying somewhere and she's going back to see her parents she's a college student from somewhere and i was going back to see my parents for the holiday but uh, she worked during school at like, um, I forget, like an American Eagle, some one of those kind of stores. And she was just telling me about how cool it was, all the different technology they have and stuff in the store and how like easy it is and all this stuff and just blown away by the, the amount of technology in an American Eagle store. And then I was telling her about my job. She's like, wow, I didn't know you guys did all that. It's just like in my head, it's like, isn't it wild that the forest products, like our industry, for whatever reason, people just don't think we would have an increase in technology the same as any other 
industry in the world, including American Eagle. I don't know. It just, it always rubbed me wrong that we were on the bad end of the stick. And I figured, you know, a lot of my friends I know, they feel the same way that people just don't realize technology isn't only advancing in whatever industry they happen to work in, but it's advancing for all of us. And as our lives become more and more complex, as everyone's job gets more and more specialized, the distance between those circles grows and the distrust grows because they don't know what they're doing because it seems it's hard to comprehend because of how specialized all these jobs are and how specific they are to certain areas, places, industries that sometimes, you know, when I'm talking about my job, if someone doesn't really care, I can give them a short 10 second answer. But if they really want to know, it might take like an hour or so to explain everything. Everything I do. So I just kind of, you know, explore the complexities of other people's jobs and bring some of their issues to light that may be a simple fix, but just no one talks about because they don't know about it. Two things. One, I would love for you and your coworkers to do a remake of the Mighty Python Lumberjack song. That's just was singing inside my mind this entire time. But secondly, most importantly, like when you just explained, that really resonated with me. I try to see i try to put my shoe my feet in other people's shoes i try to see how they see the world but i guess subconsciously i've always not seen how they see their job or their their career path has always kind of been a blur to me and it really resonated with me nick when you said i want to know about other people's career paths or industries because we've said it many times on the podcast of knowledge is the key and Simply knowing the other side of, hey, what they have to go through and stuff like that, it's it's important. And I, I just always think about that, doing every podcast of what is it like to be them or something like that. And that made a huge impact on my view on life, which not to sound too sentimental. Uh, thank you, Nick. But uh, for those who don't know, we, uh, we like to tease each other a little bit. And uh, since we've been friends for a long time, there's sometimes inside jokes that get, that get said and like, my python like i said both kind of huge fans of what would you say nick the 60s 70s 80s and 90s yeah pretty much any time where they made good movies so yeah 60s 70s 80s 90s <laughs> i mean maybe early 2000s like some some will ferrell movies but that, that's about it those were just sprinkles on top of the ice cream not not the ice cream itself but no i mean we have for it's amazing how different yet similar we are I would say we both kind of we both grew up in the same area both uh, went to the same high school like we said but we all went very different career paths I mean Nick you went out west I went down south and you went more outdoorsy I went with both more machines granted we both aren't the happiest talking to people all the time so that's <laughs> i think a big influence on why we chose our career paths but it's a it's amazing to me how we've stayed in path considering we're both not huge super uh social media people which i find hilarious i still to this day that you're our social media guy for this podcast i may have gotten <laughs> myself in over my head <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that might be a good point to start on, on the insides of uh, this podcast of where did we begin? I mean, we were shooting the shit by a, a fire one night, just talking ideas. And I think actually we're discussing Atlas Shrugged, which is within my top five favorite books that super, super hit home for me for some reason. But I don't know. We That was in the winter time of last year and say spring early summer of this year during the lockdowns we just started talking i think and uh and nick goes you want to start a podcast or 
I said, or I suggested the idea, and Nick goes, yeah, let's do it. And I was taken off guard because Nick was very gun ho but it was just us just talking it out for a little bit for a few weeks. And if I remember correctly, we just started making lists and lists of ideas of what we want to talk about. And I'm trying to remember the early days, Nick, which is weird to say, considering now that's months ago. I mean, we we started talking about a podcast in December, did it more seriously in March, and started recording in, what, June or July? Could, could you help me with the dates there? I'm not the greatest with dates. Ooh, yeah, I'm not going to remember dates. Um, but like any good idea, uh, we didn't think it out that much, and we just kind of dove right into it. And we were figuring it out as it went along. Still are. <laughs> uh, much like this entire year for me for 2020 my uh my philosophy this entire year has been is a has been a joke so there's a there's a comic i can't remember what it's called but it's a man jumping out of a skyscraper and he passes the man on a 22nd floor and the man asks how's he going and the guy who jumped off the skyscraper said so far so good and that is it <laughs> this year has just been bubble gum and tape for me but it's it's been working out so after we got a list of ideas and believe it or not it's kind of easy when with especially especially working with a friend of just having that chemistry to just start bouncing ideas at, off each other like no limits it's just to see where it goes and we end up within a couple weeks having like a list of 30 or 40 and then just kept building after that but then then it started getting a little more less talk and more real and we started ordering microphones and nick this might be a good point for you because i don't know anything about microphones and i i think if i remember correctly you took charge on which microphones you were gonna go for yeah we just kind of looked at a bunch of different microphones and you know the ones we kept seeing over and over again that were a lot of other people had were the ones we got we went with these uh, i don't know how to say it fifine fiffin i don't know i went with the manano if i remember correctly um that actually might be a good thing to put on our instagram page of what microphones we're actually using for this episode for those who don't know we uh we're we're making up as we go we do the research and we'll talk about research in a little bit but the equipment uh the only reason we record with audacity that's the program we're using is because i have some familiar lady with it it was just something i knew and just something to use but i can't emphasize that we we are trial by error i guess sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there nick no you're good um yeah trial by fire it's the it's the way we do a lot of things um yeah i I just went with this one i i like the uh the remington 870 model of you can get a fancier gun but if it's the gun one out of two americans is going to trust you know why why not use it it's cheap it's tough and it'll work and you know i didn't know how far we're going to go with it so this one works for now you know if i want to get fancier we'll upgrade later but we'll see where it goes Ooh, nick being fancy but it it is definitely interesting of starting something we have no background in and we're both pretty much nearly on other sides of the continent for podcasting he's in oregon i'm in texas what's that like 14 hours by plane eight hours by plane uh, 18 20 hour drive just guessing maybe more but that's a that's been definitely an interesting point of trying to coordinate with a friend literally on the other side of the united states 
And the other hard part is, so you got the time difference and then my schedule. I work in the woods and my schedule is largely dependent on weather, which is difficult to forecast as we have discussed. So some days I could be home at three, other days I'm not home till eight. And usually I can get a text out to let Mike know I'm not coming home, but yeah, it's uh, it's kind of tough. And Mike, what's that like? Kind of just playing it by ear all the time with my goofy schedule. It's weird because I, I'm always, I, I guess I've always had like a military mindset of hurry up and wait. So I always, I've always, there's a, a joke amongst friends back in Chicagoland for me is mic time. I'm always at least five minutes early wherever I go. I, I grew up, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're late, you're fired. And I, for some reason, that's just carried to anything I carry through. But Nick, I, I mean, I get done 5 p.m. my time, so... That's 3 p.m. Nick's time. So I, you know, do things, stuff like that. And Nick, sometimes you have like crazy fires or you have some catastrophe happening in your part of the woods. And I, I'm just, uh, I guess just twiddling my thumbs. And I always wish your safety, but sometimes this might be a little bit insight to it. But literally how our podcast is breaks up is before we get on lot, before we record, we, uh, we just talk. I mean, we're two friends just catching up. I want to know what's happening in his life. I want to hear about his uh, new wife, which I actually know from high school, which is weird to think about. And like how he's doing out there, how his parents are going out there, who I love his parents. I played video games with his brother. Like I literally played video games with his brother last night of this recording. It's uh, so he he's dear to me. So hearing about that. But and then we record. And then afterwards we talk, we express ideas. But sometimes, sometimes I want to kill Nick because that two hour difference really kills. Sometimes we'll stop recording and it's about midnight, close to one at my time. And I usually get up at 4.35. And uh, sometimes, sometimes I want to shoot my one of my best friends. <laughs> I, I, but that's just, joke. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm having so much fun doing this. And I imagine I want to make Nick I imagine Nick wants to shoot me multiple times throughout recording this podcast. No, you're good. So unlike Mike, um, I go to I normally go to sleep around eight thirty or nine. So even for me, Mike, I'm also staying awake later than uh, <laughs> than I normally would, even if it's not as late. And also getting up at anywhere from uh, I think the earliest I had to get up after a podcast was like three twenty. So I think we finished at like, I don't know, probably 11 or so. We were done talking around 11, but good times. I just, I look at it, it's like, I'm getting up at 3.20. I'm going to be tired anyway if I go to bed at 8 a.m. or 8 8 p.m. or 11 p.m. So why not enjoy the night? No, I I wouldn't try. It's like I said, I've learned so much every episode. And just with one of your best friends, when you're just like discussing ideas or shooting the shit, it's it's one of the best moments. It's the whole bonfire experience of you're just usually the people at the end of the bonfire are the real friends. The ones who stayed the longest because they enjoy their company. And that's kind of where the name came from. Ooh, should we talk about how the name came to be, Nick? Yeah, it's not a bad idea. We had uh, quite a few options to start out. We were tossing back and forth. Uh, Mike, what your, what was your favorite one? Or one the, the three you wanted? I could think of two off the top of my head. Uh, actually... If you vent for 20 seconds, I can. I still have the original list. Okay, yeah, why don't you bring up that list? So 
We were looking for something that represented our air quote style atmosphere we wanted to have, and that was, like we mentioned previously, the end of the night bonfire. It's This is informal. You know, there's jokes. You're going to make fun of each other. There's going to be movie references, predominantly Adam Sandler, like Austin Powers, Star Wars, Monty Python, the classics, but also, you know, kind of learn something. We settled on a few and we went back and forth for a while. We texted a few of our friends who are probably the only listeners to this podcast right now. So thank you guys. And uh, we got some feedback from them and kind of helped us along the, the way there. We had about 15 names we narrowed it down to five then we asked our friends and family what they thought and the five were backyard philosophy which we ended up choosing pandora's problem blind squirrels our undead cat and outer space octopuses so uh kind of kind of all over the board but kind of on par for who we are of the jack of all trades and the outcasts i would say consider yourself an outcast i think i'm pretty popular Oh, you're Mr. Cool with all that social media <laughs> likes and follows with that, what, iPhone 5 you got? Hey, it's a 5C. <laughs> oh, but, I mean, I'm ha- I I think Nick Nick's definitely the one who was the driving force behind the bonfire idea of talking with your friends. That's where backyard philosophy came from. That, that I have to say, that idea and mindset came from Nick. All credit for that. Yeah, but pretty fitting for this was formed over a bonfire, basically. It was. That was a super fun weekend where this all kind of took bloom. So we have where it kind of started. We got trying to figure out ideas to talk about, which, believe it or not, the ideas is the easy part. It's the research. I mean, we're both busy people. Nick, I assume, is busier than me because I'm kind of a lackey. So we have where we got our microphones, how we kind of got our names. So maybe maybe go into the process of how we prepare for an episode. And yeah. So Nick, I, I actually, we actually, this is all kind of on the fly. This is all kind of loose. Like we said, this is laid back kind of episode. So well, there's no format. There's no preparing for this. This is all kind of on the fly. And I actually have no idea how Nick fully prepares for an episode. And I am anticipating and excited to hear what he has to say. So, Nick, how do you prepare for an episode? Well, first. So. I love how beer popped before you said first. Exactly. So I'm a, like Mike said, I'm, I'd consider myself a busy guy. I work probably on average anywhere from 55 to 65 hours a week, uh, sometimes more. Sometimes that's five days a week, sometimes it's six and hopefully not seven, but occasionally. So I, but I do a lot of driving in my job. So what I'll do is I'll start with whatever topic and I'll download just a bunch of random podcasts about that topic. And what I'm doing there is I'm getting a good overview and I'll look for podcasts that I I can tell just by looking at them that I would disagree. And you know what podcast I'm talking about. If you've ever looked at a po- like, oh, that sounds interesting, looked at the people recording it or other podcasts they have and like, oh, God, this is going to be stupid. So I look for something like that and then I'll look for just some random ones and I'll usually listen to a few while I'm driving because I do a lot of driving and I'm getting kind of an overview from a few different sides. Then once I have kind of an overview, the general, you know, points that people have come up a few times, you know, I'll, I'll write some some of that down or so. And then uh, from there, I'll go to my computer 
after work and I'll do some diet, some, uh, read some articles or so. And if it's a topic I'm really interested in and we have planned far enough ahead, I'll actually purchase a, a book or two from, uh, online. And for those of you who like to read, um, I highly recommend thriftbooks.com. They sell used books for really cheap which allows me to fuel this book addiction that we both have. Um, and I'll, for, if I'm ordering a book, I'll get more like a textbook kind of thing, um, depending on the topic. You know, we got some more philosophy topics coming up in the future or we're planning on, and maybe I'll get something along like that. But for the most part, I like kind of a textbook that's going to give you a, a broad view while occasionally going down into some deeper, uh, you know, parts of this subject, like the Coral Reef one. That was, we planned that one out a long ways because I wanted to read the the whole textbook and it was a big book but I really enjoyed that but other than that yeah I just kind of you know I'll listen to some podcasts get some background and then research some articles and then like for the hemp podcast if I find a, a number or something that comes up and just seems really weird I'm gonna go and read that scientific article or whatever it is to figure out where that data came from and because with my industry I get a lot of random numbers thrown around that people throw around that you can just go that doesn't seem right and if you actually go and look at the study it's it's complete garbage and that's kind of a lot of what I found is it really only takes a quick Google search to knock some of these just ridiculous numbers and, and stuff around. You know, it's it's not hard to figure out that they use terrible testing methods or just made it up really. If no one else can replicate it, just and that, that's what I'm trying to avoid is because I see the damage throwing out these this fake information does to my industry. So I really want to not throw any uh any bad information around. So if we got something wrong, let us know because we, we don't want to be spreading misinformation. Yes, we actually care. And I'm curious about your notes because we both take notes. And I last time I, we talked about your notes was off air and it ended up becoming a grocery list. So I am curious about your notes. So a lot of my notes are just writing a thought down while I'm reading or listening or to whatever. And I have, a, hey, what about this? Or what if we did this or this is really interesting i'll just write that note down a lot of what i do is i'll bookmark like if i'm reading a book i'll just bookmark it with a post-it note or something and i'll flip to it during the podcast but yeah my notes are not very organized i'm in some parts of my life i'm very organized like my tackle box is extremely organized but how i store my files on my computer is not the most organized same with my notes so i'm a little bit different with my notes Unfortunately, I can't do what Nick does with the books and tabs. So always bring up Texas because it comes up. During the middle of pandemic, I decided to pack up my car and move and drive and move to sh from Chicago to Dallas. And so everything I own has to fit inside my car. Everything else is in storage. So I can't bring my entire library with me. I pride myself on a library. So and it, it kind of hurts not to have all those books, I guess judge a man on his library, not on his collection of cars. I'm a little bit different with Nick. I unfortunately don't get as many books as I want because like Nick said, we both are book addicts. We both have an addiction to books and it just keeps piling up. And I can't wait to see if I survive to be 60 to see what our libraries look like. But a big influence for me is my university where I went to. I go through their website, I go through their library and try to find scientific articles. A huge tool in my toolbox is a site called Sci-Hub, which is great for a lot of scientific articles because a lot of scientific articles you have to pay to see. Well, being poor, I can't really do that. 
but sci-hub gives me the option to because they did a great thing where they have this pay program and it's free for people users they ask for donations it's a lot like our duino if my electronic nerd people are out there are listening but i try to go for either industries direct source i go for a site that i actually respect or scientific articles unfortunately a lot of sites i don't agree with i they've notoriously came out with false news i don't want to name names but they're very untrustworthy and i don't like using those sources so unless i can back it up i don't use it but for my notes i have two two notebooks one is just ideas i will open up probably 30 tabs when researching it because most of mine is internet based and i'll write down whatever comes to my head i'll circle any questions that other tabs i want to open with and once i have everything written out they're just really rough, uh, rough ideas i'll transfer it to the other journal and i'll fully write out what i want to not fully write out what i want to say but a more explained method of what i want to explain and sort of in order and so that way all the we'll take invasive species all the lionfish are together all the buckthorn are together they're all separated and all kind of put together in categories so it's easier to reference and see through and that's mainly my process i usually before every topic maybe spend six-ish hours before studying or writing notes ideas down it depends on my work schedule. I'm far less busy than Nick, nonetheless, I find good ways to waste time. But I would say, yeah, I would say six hours I spend researching, which unfortunately, we're kind of spazzes where we come up with a list of, hey, this is the order we're going to go through things. And <laughs> that list always ends up changing. So uh, you know what they say, if you uh, have a plan, uh, if you have a gl- plan, tell God because he'll laugh. So uh Nick, out of curiosity, how much has that affected your research? Just us kind of changing things on a fly. Um, not too bad because topics that I've bought a book for, you're pretty okay with me just pushing it back until I finish the book or uh, wait until the book comes because I don't pay for next day shipping. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it hasn't really affected me. I think that's a huge thing before you explain your answer is we're both pretty chill people like we're both like hey you gotta do what you gotta do like if you need more time you need more time or eh, whatever we we're i would say we're both very adaptable sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there yeah no you're good like uh like mike said we both got a lot going on like we both work jobs that use a lot of our time i have a wife i volunteer at the fire department so i got hours i gotta be there and uh so i have a pretty busy life but we both make it work and you know that's a thing. I wouldn't do this if uh, if Mike was a, a hard ass about scheduling because can't do it. My schedule is so crazy, but it, it works out. And um, but yeah, I think I probably spend. Uh, it really depends. Like coral reefs, I probably spend. Jeez, I don't even know how many. I I spend a lot of time on coral reefs. Um, but that was a long episode. Bees was. It's also an important topic. Yeah, bees was another one. Bees, I actually, I think I mentioned it in the podcast but i called one of my buddies who's does the commercial b thing takes them down so got a some first-hand knowledge for that one which is good and a lot of these agriculture ones i have people i can talk to so that kind of helps um you know it's getting that uh talking to the person who does it you know you're going to save yourself so much time just because 
what you have to learn, they can explain in like a minute or so, even to idiots like us, because a lot of, you know, not to bring it back to like my job, but a lot of things these, these industries we're exploring are, I don't know, I would say like looked down upon or, uh, they're not, not, they're in the fringe. Yeah. They're not in the public favor. Public, uh, opinion is not, not really, uh, favoring them. And so they have had to learn to explain what they do to people. So most of these guys are pretty good at boiling down what they do to a few simple, you know, sentences and take homes that, uh, kind of in an attempt to turn public opinion in their favor and to allow them to continue to operate. So if I'm lucky enough to know someone in one of these fields, then, you know, it really makes things easier. Unfortunately, I have yet to have a friend to be in one of these fields like Nick. Hence why Nick is our social media guy. He is a little bit more social and connects with people more. I am, uh, well, I would be, I would be happy if I spent my life in the middle of the woods or in a library to myself for the rest of my life. I'd be perfectly okay with that. Well, yeah, it, not to brag, but I have friends in low places. So. <laughs> oh, such a good song. Such a good song. But yeah, it's uh sometimes for recording episode, like it's uh we try to stay ahead of it. I think that's a big thing. We try to always have two episodes three episodes this is we come out weekly uh we always try to have two episodes in the chamber in case you know scheduling issues or just for editing uh time frame just to have but there's been a few episodes where it's uh it's about a day before it's released that we have to edit it listen through it upload it and send it out and uh, I mainly do, Nick does social media, I do editing, and Nick also does a final kind of listen through. He's kind of the ears for the audience, and he's he's definitely helped me out a lot with editing, I would, I would say. So, Nick, how does it, I, I don't know about you, but I've sort of gotten used to hearing my own voice over and over again. Have you gotten used to that yet? Uh, no, I still hate my voice. <laughs> but yeah, it's weird listening to it, but I get wrapped up into it after listening to it again. Because I'm like, oh, Mike's going to bring up this point, and I wish I had said this, or, oh, man, like, Mike should have said that. But uh, especially, like, the Neanderthal one, going back through the whole, um, you know, bringing back, or de-extinction, bringing back Neanderthals, uh, just thinking through that again as I was listening to it, it was was kind of fun. So that it's really not as bad as I thought it would be, just listening to me talk over and over again. Man, that was just a good episode. I really enjoyed that discussion, and yeah, that's a, that's an interesting topic. I think a huge influence on us was the Rite of Passage episode, which you brought to our mind, because I'll get random texts throughout the day of, hey, what do you think about doing this episode? Or I'll send Nick one, like, hey, what do you think about recording this with this theme? And he came up with the Rite of Passage, and he's he's right. The Rite of Passage is kind of gone from our society, and it got us a little bit more philosophical and a little bit less scientific which i think is kind of our niche of having both and mixed all together and i think that kind of really came together with de-extinction i think de-extinction is one of my favorite episodes because we have the science in there we have the facts in there but we also have some personal slash ethics slash philosophy questions in there and i i really like when we go down those rabbit holes of well what if or how do you feel about because i think hearing one of my best friends' opinions is important to me and hearing the other side because me and Nick don't always agree on everything and we're like a Venn diagram one third Nick one third 
to us together, one third Mike, and it and it works out pretty well. Yeah, it's a it, it's a good sounding board. Like me and Mike are we're good friends, but you know we talk before and after, and we really don't agree on everything. But it doesn't mean that we can't actually have discussions like adults. Bringing it back to what Nick said of re-listening to the podcast, I feel like we're all gonna me and you, Nick, are going to redress the issues we've recorded before because there's so many things I wanted to say after listening to them. Like, the amount of post-it notes I'll make on one episode of like, oh, I could have said this, or I wish I knew the information on this. It's an ever-growing garden of knowledge, which I I absolutely adore. Yeah. Hey, this, this is a maybe, I don't know what else you wanted to cover, but do you want to go back and bring up points from other podcasts that we wish we had brought up at the time actually if you don't mind i would like to stay on the how we got into podcasting and the podcast approach because i'd like to talk about editing a little bit oh yeah i don't really do that so yeah let me know how that works uh it makes me want to shoot my brains out constantly uh for those who want to start their own podcast and i always implore everyone to seek their own knowledge talk with their friends i mean everyone talks to their friends ideas so might as well record it and you know, just at the very least, you'll have that memory or thought recorded. And it's always different saying something out loud versus in your own head. But as I said in the beginning, I use Audacity, which is a free program, and I highly recommend because it's very user-friendly and it's, it's very easy to use. Now, our episodes range everywhere from an hour to three hours. And for every hour of recording, it takes about, about double or two and a half times of editing for every hour. So if it's one hour, it's two and a half to three hours of editing. And it's mainly saving you, the audience, of the awkward pauses, our microphones maybe picking up a background sound, the likes, the ums, or us just flubbing our words. As hopefully you all know, I'm not really good at English. And so pretty much how my process goes is I break it into chunks. I realized that trying to do a three-hour recording all after working after work is not the best idea. So I usually break it up into 30-minute segments or 45-minute segments of the audio. So that's like usually an hour and a half for me. So I'll start going through. I'll create a new file. Both of us are having either MP3 files or WAV files, just something that Audacity can register. So any, any pretty much any audio file. I'll try to sync with uh, our syncs in the beginning. We do sync one, two, three, and that, that gives me good reference points, If we, especially if we take breaks in the middle of an episode to help realign our audio because we record our audio independently and we're not using a mixer, especially because we're, again, in two different states halfway across the country, and it, it helps having just separate audio files, makes it cleaner, especially helps when Nick is like a couple inches from his microphone instead of like a couple feet from his microphone. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about Mike. That, I, I, for the life of me. I, I really wish I had a video of my face when you said that because it was instantly red. My white face was so red of anger when you said you were like two feet away from your microphone. For those who don't know, hey, there is good information on how to record a podcast, and there's bad information <laughs> on how to record a podcast. And 
I guess I must have stumbled across some bad information. <laughs> I was telling Mike all these things that I learned, and he was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Again, we are figuring this out as we as we go, but I, I, from every podcast I've watched, listened to, or, you know, we, I mean, we looked up some YouTube videos on how we're doing. Like, we, we try to gather some information before we do this, but... When I found out some information Nick was doing, I I wanted to go to the freezer and pull out the whole bottle of vodka and just and just start taking some shots. But but going back to editing, so I'll sit, I'll rec- I'll do about thirty minutes of recorded audio editing, so it's like an hour and a half ish to uh, uh, editing. Just getting the likes, the ums, making sure things sync, making sure. We don't hear our breathing. We don't hear. I like to play with things. Like I especially like to play with pens for some reason when I talk. I like. I'm very eccentric with my hands. I'm even talking with my hands right now, even though no one can see it. So if I remove those background sounds just to make it a little cleaner, I'll try matching the audio because both me and Nick have different voices. Sometimes we talk different. I get excited. And I talk really high, and it doesn't sound right. So I lower it a little bit, and then I'll do that progressively throughout the week. And then I'll forward that to Nick, and Nick will give a listen to. He'll tell me some timestamps that need to be fixed, and I go through and I fix that. And then, now, then after that, after I've done the entire recording episode, I'll compress it and sync it so the two audio files match together, so they're one audio file. I'll turn it into a MP3 so that can go on our RSS feed. So for those who don't know, when you have or trying to upload a podcast, you to make it easier for yourself, you can do through a thing called RSS. I can't remember what it stands for, but pretty much is you upload it to one website and it uploads it to others. So pretty much that's why you can hear us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, uh, Google Radio, Podbean, and all those different formats is because of the RSS. So... I make a MP3 file from the audio recorded that I've edited, we mix together, and then put on the RSS feed, write a description, set an upload date, and then after that, I turn it into an MP4 file for YouTube because RSS doesn't work with YouTube, so I have to I have to change the MP3 file into like a video, I add our imagery to it, I then upload it, try to sync, sync our, make sure our audio is all synced and go through because it's a different compression rate. Then I put that on YouTube with an upload link. That's annoying because both setting up your audio for RSS and YouTube, there's a lot of download time. So a lot of times I'll do this during my lunch break. I have just putting the upload up while I'm just eating lunch. So that way I'm actually being productive and not just staring at a blank screen during my lunch break. And ends up being like 30 or 40 minutes just trying to get a video up on YouTube, which is annoying. But that's all set. Gets the timestamp. And then, yeah, that's... And then once Friday at midnight on both YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts, on you, that's... It goes live. And that's usually the RSS and YouTube just doing that. It's just everything's set up. And the big thing for me that I've been trying to learn is how to properly do tags unfortunately i'm not really good with social media so doing the hashtags figuring out search tags figuring out the the programs that 
these companies are using to help promote videos is a bit of a learning curve to figure out, okay, if I use these keywords, we'll get more views. Or if I misspell this word, because this is a common misspell and misspelled word, we'll get more views because people are searching for it, but they're misspelling it. So if I can fit that niche, more views for us. And before we get too far away, this is my personal opinion. I'm not quite sure on Nick's, but I don't do this to get rich or famous. I just do this to talk with a good friend and learn knowledge, much like the Juno Club in, I think it was Philadelphia or Boston with Benjamin Franklin of just, just knowledge, just talking ideas. So it, all this hard work is just for me and Nick to appreciate the art we've created. I know Nick is a bit of perfectionist. He's like me. He wants whatever job you do to mirror what you are. So if you, if you're digging a hole, that's going to be the best hole you ever seen dug. It's the same way Nick is, the same way I am. If, if you're if you're cooking a dinner, you better bet that homemade sauce is really good because me and Nick spent time trying to figure out the best recipe for it, stuff like that. It's the little things in life matter. So even if we only get one view per episode, I'm still going to treat it as if I get tens of thousands of views on an episode, even though I might flood my words a lot. And that's just who I am. But that's pretty much the editing side of it and Nick I'd be very curious to hear because I don't hear your process of you're you're pretty much the proofreader so to speak because I'll be honest as soon as I've spent six hours editing a episode I don't want to hear it again so I send it to Nick because I want to make sure he's happy with it because he's my friend and he's part of this so I want to make sure he's satisfied with the work so Nick is the main proofreader so if Nick likes it then I know it's a green light so Nick, what's your process for proof listening to a podcast we recorded of, hey, I just edited this, what do you think? So what I do is uh, I'll listen to it, you know, record anything down, and for the most part, what I'm listening for is uh, just some, something that doesn't sound right. Most of it is, like, Mike was cutting out an um or something, and he maybe cut out, like, the M, but left the uh, so you, you have me going, and then, uh... And then it's cut, like a hard cut, and then right into another sentence. So, Mike, you do a really good job. I mean, recently, I will have, what, maybe two, three edits for a two-hour video? I haven't really had any issue, but I just kind of listen to things that don't make sense. And like you said, I can tend to be a perfectionist in some instances. And so maybe I send you back some edits that aren't really an issue. And part of it is probably my... uh how far I am from the mic when I get good and uh, liquored up and start talking about something I'm passionate about. I'd move my body and my hands and I get right up against the mic and way far away. So part of the problem is might be that, but I don't know. I, I don't do the editing, so I have no one to blame. So actually you're really good, especially since you've moved in close to the mic. It was mainly your sound thing uh your your sound being echoey that's why for those listening some of our episodes might sound weird is because it was different difference different distance for recording actually the main problem with hard cuts is comes to me i am i'm a spaz i'll come up with one idea and switch in the middle of a sentence so when i try to edit it and cut it and fit it all together sometimes it'll be a completely different topic i'm talking about in the middle of a sentence and it, it's just doesn't work and i from an insight of editing i've definitely started learning 
how we speak and how we put sentences together. Like I can tell just on how the file looks. Cause so what I'm seeing when I'm recording and both editing is the sound waves going up and down for high and low frequencies and high pitches and stuff like that. I can tell just based how it looks what word it is now. So I can tell when Nick's saying an and um or I can say the e or it's like filler words. I can tell just by the look of them what word that is, which is really weird to think about. But I've noticed my words are more spaced out with random breaks in them, which is annoying to edit because it, it's not consistency. Nick tends to be very easy to edit because it's usually he says a sentence, he has an idea, he takes a break, and then recontinues the sentence. And I can just remove that break so it sounds a little bit more clean altogether. For me, like I'm looking at my audio file now as recording this, and it's kind of all over the board random breaks, random words being extended, and it's hard to put that and compile that together and make it sound better and clean compared to Nick. The only really main thing I have to edit with Nick is making sure our sounds match, uh, shortening the breaks in between, getting rid of any random ums that don't quite work, or any random pops or like sometimes T's, S's, and P's. T's, S's, and P's I've noticed are really hard for audio recording for those who want to start their podcast. Highly recommend a pop filter. It kind of changes the game a little bit. But if you can deafen those T's and S and P's, that it, it really helps cut down the audio time. So that's pretty much it. Oh, your zoom in and zoom out button when editing a podcast is one of your best friends because it really helps to break down the audio you're hearing and editing into milliseconds. Like I'll turn in a second into 30 pages and then I can cut out that that way so it sounds a little bit more clean. But yeah, like trying to just, just make us sound less dumb is my whole goal or get our point across that we're trying to go through. Sorry, Nick, I kind of rambled on there. I figured you want to jump in somewhere. Bold of you to assume my pauses are for thinking <laughs> ahead. I'm thinking backwards to say, wow, I got myself to this point. Now, how do I get out of it? Uh, <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better when editing it, I can't tell the difference. Yeah, so don't feel too bad. That's that's, that's what's going on is I was talking about a something, a subject, and talking and talking and i do this with talking about trees all the time i'll talk about one subject and be like talking about how crazy it is that ponderosa pine can survive in w really warm conditions to really cold conditions and all of a sudden i realized i was talking about douglas fir so i have to try and figure out how i get back to the first subject after going off on some tangent so yeah no it's uh i'm thinking backwards not forwards there but yeah i i take some pauses every now and then out of curiosity because i don't know this side how do you choose what image you're going to post on our Instagram or Facebook, which I highly recommend checking out, Backyard Philosophy. Got to plug us in every time we can. Of How do you choose what image you're going to put up? Like, What makes you think this is, this is a good one? I, I'm very curious about that thought process. So I tend to do images if I have a picture of whatever it is on my phone. I try to, I'll, I'll use that. Like, um, like for fire, those are actual pictures from my phone that are very attention grabbing it's actually uh, a video mic of a prescribed burn a low to medium intensity fire and uh but it's 
it looks really cool. So I put that one up there. And then uh, in the fire podcast, we talked about burned over creek flowing with ash. I put that image on there just because we mentioned it. Um, but I, I'm trying to find, I'm looking for images that we can use without getting in trouble. So I go to a couple different places for those. But I, I try to find an image that pertains somewhat to what we talked about, but is also kind of, uh, you know, cool attention getting something people would click on and run or want to read like the coral one has coral bleaching in it because we that's what we talked about we want to show that and then i just like you i'm experimenting with tags or hashtags as the kids call them um our fire one was the best just because that one i really did a lot of a lot of tags more so than normal um so i think i just got to increase the number of tags but i did uh topical tags like i tagged the specific fire those images were taken from and then i but i also tagged like hashtag california fires which was um trending on instagram and stuff and so to get it up in the the explore column of people's instagrams so i did stuff like that and uh still kind of a work in progress um for someone who has social media and i thought i kind of knew like social media is like oh yeah if i wanted to i could like grow something which we are growing it but i don't know if it's me on the social media or just the fact that maybe people like the podcast we're growing in followers very slowly but uh you know it's a learning curve we'll figure it out i think it kind of ties in of every industry has their own technology their own niche and it's always easier said than done but i just want to point out that i think a big reason why this works like i love i i get excited every tuesday or thursday of that just happens to be our recording days of talking to Nick because it's someone to discuss ideas with and someone I really truly get along. And I think it definitely works because we both have so much trust in each other. I completely trust Nick. Like, hey, any image you put up, I'll back you up 100%. No doubt. Like, I completely trust Nick in this adventure. He, I, I know what kind of character and what caliber of a man he is. And I, I know he will never slight me, I guess is the best word of choice. And I think that's important if you're going to start your own podcast and or do something with your friends is make sure you surround your people with people you trust. You surround without yourselves with lions, you become a lion. And before we get a little bit off track, I want to point out of a question some people might have well, of how do you record over such a long distance? Like like if I want to record with my friend, but we live in different states like because we met in college or we just happen to go different career paths. We use Discord. It's simple. It's free. Uh, there are tons of other places you can use like zoom or skype there's there's tons of free options so there's times when nick's talking and i can't hear a word he says because the internet's being bad that day there's a huge storm so, something's going on and i I'm, I'm lucky enough to have nick and know nick for a large portion of my life where i can know where he's going with this story i can fill in those blanks and i think that's a big big influence on me of just simply knowing nick a little bit of hey, he's talking about such and such topic for space mining. He's going to lead it to trees in this form. All right, when the, when the I guess when the, I'm going to guess when the audio ends so I can jump in and we'll go for, go through there. But there is a lot of um, just, just... I forgot. I did bring it back to trees and space mining with the LiDAR reference. You always... I, I personally made it a drinking <laughs> game. I take a sip every time you talk about trees. Oh my gosh. Space mining. That was an impressive one, but I did it. I pulled it off. 
<laughs> no matter what, you can guarantee that Nick will talk about trees in some part of an episode. I, I, I'm willing to put pretty good money on it. But it's not, I mean, I would say what, the most, the only thing we really spent money on was the microphones. And besides that, everything else is pretty much free. Audacity's free, Discord's free. And I mean, you don't have to get an RSS. I just got an RSS because, well, I'm dumb. And it's easier to do than go to those each websites of Pandora or go to your iHeartRadio or go to your Spotify and manually create accounts and manually upload those. It's just easier for me personally to go through an RSS, but that might change in the future. What, 50 bucks on a microphone and a good buddy and a bottle of booze and you can record for hours. Oh. And books, thousands of books. I spent, <laughs> I spent a lot of money on books. <laughs> Never enough books, Nick. Books books are an investment in yourself. It's a it's a running joke of how much our, when we're talking off behind scenes of how many books we have of, we need to build more bookshelves. I'm literally having, I'm getting to a pile of books next to my nightstand that is becoming taller than my nightstand. And it's very frightening. It's, I can't read fast enough, god damn it. Yeah, it's a real problem I have as well. But it, it works. I mean, I I just love books. I If I, I my probably part of my head would be just spending a lifetime in a library. But this might be a random question, Nick, but... How has it affect the podcast affected like your personal life? Like, and has you ever not been able to hang out with friends because you've already made pre pre engagement with me of recording the episode or something like that? I'd be I'd be curious if that's ever affected your life. No, like I said, uh, work takes up most of my week, um, and it it kind of works out really good for me because my wife is currently studying for a PE. So while she's studying, I can record a podcast or she can go to the gym. We're both pretty independent. So that's my major concern is how much time I spend with her. And she really makes it pretty easy because she has a life of her own. So there's not really too much friction there. And uh, like I said, I don't tend to schedule anything over the week because the work is, you know, like, you know, I never know when I'm getting off. So basically, you're the only one I'm letting down during the week. Ah, no, you're good. You're good. And let's go, engineers, PE, FE exams. Let's go. Uh, some nerd talk for everyone. But no, I mean, you never, you, you never let me down. Like it's, we both know that. Hey, our lives are busy. Yours more than mine, and it, whatever comes up, comes up. That's, I think, a huge key of why I think this works is because sometimes we'll record two, three episodes in a week, just because we know the next following week our schedules might be iffy. Well, that was like uh, when I went and got married. So I was gone for a week. So I think I missed like two recordings. And then I went to that big fire. So all of our background or extra recordings we used up just because I was gone for like a month, basically. Yeah, but it works out. Having that little security bank, it makes a big deal. Or if we had to re-record episodes, it's really nice to have a different episode go up while we record another episode <laughs> uh for those who may not know we've uh we've talked about certain topics multiple times in a conversation <laughs> we've had i i'm not gonna lie nick after our wildfire episodes i did not want to hear a while a word about wildfires because it was three hours recording 12 hours editing because that that audio file had a lot of issues 
And then we end up re-recording for another three hours. And then it was another six hours of recording. And then another four hours of fixing errors. And I, I was, I really hated wildfires after, after that day. I was like, I'm done with wildfires for a bit. Yeah, uh, same. But just today on the radio, I heard uh, they're on NPR talking about how wildfires are primarily driven because of climate change. And I had to turn it off because like, that's not true at all. (laughs) (laughs) Having all that knowledge is dangerous. You you know, so I also cannot listen to anyone else talk about wildfires, but mostly because they don't know what they're talking about. And now you do. So now you're going to be listening to that radio station be like this idiot. (laughs) Follow the numbers. They never lie. But before I started talking about editing and interrupted you, you were going to you're going to say something, Nick. And I was hoping you could remember what you were talking about. Uh, Nope cannot remember don't know what i was gonna say okay well we've talked about kind of how we started some quick 101 trials and how to get started we talked about kind of our process of editing stuff like that so maybe maybe it's time to get to know each other for the public a little bit i do okay well before you get there I do want to say going forward where we kind of want to go. Um, We have an idea. We want to do some maybe little mini episodes about just random philosophical pages or papers or books or something as like a half hour or so episode or something. But we also are going to try and have guests on. We don't know quite how to do that yet. We're kind of figuring that out. But we want, uh, you know, our friends and if anyone thinks they have something to say on and, you know, in an industry that they can give us an inside kind of look. And that's kind of what we're looking for. And some of my friends have asked if they can be on. And it's like, <laughs> we have our own fucking podcast. We're going to do whatever we want. Yeah, you can come on. So, you know, if you think you have something that is important to share with the world, just let us know. And, you know, when we finally figure out how to have guests on, we'll, we'll uh, figure that out. But keep it in mind. Oh, I'm very happy you said that. Because, one... I love talking to you, Nick. It's definitely a highlight of my week of doing this, doing the podcast. So uh, anytime I get to record with more episodes with you of doing these short little quotes, philosophical questions of short little episodes, which will be coming out soon, uh, it's an absolute pleasure. And it is a dream of mine to talk with other professionals in, in different fields, just to hear their opinions and knowledge. I, I truly believe that education never ends and knowledge is simply in your own hands. So I always want to hear what people have to say. Everyone's got a story, gain knowledge. And it, it just always to hear an expert or someone passionate about their field. It, it's it's like stoking the coals of a fire. It, it, it just makes the fire come alive, tons of ashes and ember. So I, that I'm looking forward to, and hopefully very soon we'll be able to get people on. And yeah, I mean, if you have any suggestions, please let us know on Facebook or Instagram of how to properly do that, or if you're interested in that. We're always, we're, we're, uh, we're greenhorns. We're trying to figure it out as we go you're bringing up a point so since what i said you were about to bring up a point before i interrupted you oh i was just gonna say it's time to uh get to know a little bit one one another in the public's eye of our random opinions or quick questions or things that really wouldn't make a podcast episode but are still fun to discuss just to just to get to know each other a little bit just to hear different opinions just to just to throw some random ideas out there and well i'll start with a big one do you think aliens exist that's a tough question um i mean do i think other life exists 
out in the solar system? Yes. Do I think intelligent life exists out in the solar system? Yes. Do I think it's close enough that we have interacted with it? I don't think so, but I mean, just the math, the math of us being the only intelligent life in the entire universe is, is, I don't know, slim to none. So I think there's going to be other intelligent life out there, but the universe is also giant. So just because there is doesn't mean we'll see it and doesn't mean we'll see it in our lifetime. Uh, now, do I wish the world was more like Star Wars? Yes, every day. Legitimately, probably every day. But, uh, so I'd say yeah, but what do you think, Mike? So I'm puzzled. Part of me, so this is a very deep question I've wondered for a while of, so everyone's heard of the Goldilocks zone, a zone where a celestial body is so far away from the sun where it can have the ability to support life. And as everyone knows, things in the universe scale. So you have atoms, then atoms turn into molecules, molecules turn into objects, objects turn into planets, planets turn into solar systems, solar systems turn into galaxies, galaxies, and it grows. So that to me, when I hear Goldilocks zone and scaling means there's a Goldilocks zone for life. To me, that also means there has to be a civilization who is the first civilization ever to exist. I don't know if it's us. So just off the bat, mathematically, I agree with Nick. There, life has to exist elsewhere in the universe because space is huge. There are so many galaxies, so many planets, so many solar systems in that galaxy, and gal and so many planets in that solar, and, and, and it's just life, there's so many planets, so many celestial bodies, there has to be other life. My worry is, are we in the Goldilocks version of the universe? So the universe is constantly expanding until it doesn't, which it's physicists and scientists are discussing, but are we the first civilization to reach a higher plane of thinking? I'm wondering. I mean, are we in that zone in the growth of the universe where it's not only the Goldilocks zone of planets for supporting life, but also in the expansion of the universe? Because there has to be a civilization that's first. I don't know if it's us. I hope it's not us. But for right now, it looks like it is us. So... It's weird sending all these probes, all these signals out to space, and other civilizations might not be able to hear it because they're not to our point yet. I don't know. It's, it's something that makes me wonder of, yes, aliens exist, but who are the oldest? Who are the most technologically advanced? Are we the oldest? It's, I don't know. I, I get lost in my own thoughts sometimes. That was a long-winded answer, Nick. I, uh, I apologize for that. So is Earth Coruscant? Is that what you're getting at? I, I'm processing so hard i don't understand that reference uh star wars reference anyway um so this is a question that i i saw like on facebook or something and it just i can't decide which i side with what is more terrifying that we are the only intelligent civilization in the universe or that we are not the only intelligent civilization in the universe i think that depends on your definition of intelligence i mean if your intelligence is mastering the atom and be able to manipulate propellants to move yourself then then maybe we are only only intelligence in life but just recently you found evidence of rivers on asteroids there's frozen water everywhere in space so intelligent life might be very to vary depending on what species you're talking about I mean, there could be entire species that don't speak. They just communicate telepathically. So they don't have to put out frequencies that we would hear. Or how like certain animals see in ultraviolet light. Maybe other quote-unquote intelligent creatures can sense and see in different frequencies and sight that we can't see or pick up. Like they might be able to send 
frequency through quarks or the universe or send dark matter, which we are still trying to identify. And it's uh, it's a complicated question. So I, I, I'll be honest, I do not know. I'd, I think it'd be, I lean on the side that it'd be scarier if we were the only people in the entire universe. Now, it's scary either way that it's scary. There could be another civilization out there. Hopefully, they're more like, you know, the Gungans or something like the freaking Jar Jar. <laughs> but... No, actually, I think Jar Jar would be the worst kind of species to come across. So it turns out we are still the only intelligent species. In the <laughs> but, uh, but but also like yeah i mean it's still terrifying either way like either we are the only ones in this giant giant world like the world is not that is a terrible term i don't know what i'd use but or there's other people out there and maybe they're dangerous like uh the krogan from mass effect come to mind but it's just uh i don't know i think about that one all the time i'm sure you will too now it's weird how a seed can be implemented in a person's mind and it just grows. So- something so small can mean so much. Like, to me, I still think about, is math discovered or invented? And there's no way to really answer that. You could argue each one, but there's no real proof. Now, Nick, w- I mean, we we text each other kind of constantly throughout the week of, hey, what do you think about this? What about that? And Nick, you sent me a question for this episode, which... I don't know. And your question was, do you believe in luck? And I don't know. I believe in randomness. I don't believe the universe is fair or there's stuff like that. But setting up different variables will lead different outcomes. But I truly don't know if there's luck. Do you believe in luck? Or I I, I don't know. I guess how to phrase that. Do you believe in luck or do you believe in no luck? I mean, I, I believe in luck. You know, I think, uh, you know, hokey religion is no match for a good blaster at your side, but always being prepared isn't going to hurt. But like my brother, he's he's a lucky son of a bitch. Like he does a lot of dumb things and they all turn out. And he said in an actual quote, bad things just don't happen to me. Oh, I'm going to have to shoot your brother in the face next time I play a video game with him. I... I hate that when people do dumb decisions and it just happens to work out for them. I'll make a smart decision where I work really hard and it will fail and blow up in my face. And I have, oh God, it just, I, mm, I hate people like that. Where just, that's just, I don't know. I, I still don't know if, if there's a purpose or a path everyone's supposed to follow in this universe or things are just random or, hey, some people just have certain DNA that makes them luckier than others and everyone just likes them more. I, hell if I know. I subscribe more to the uh, the Sarah Connor philosophy of there is no fate but what you make. I think a lot of luck is the way people see it is, you know, prior planning, especially like uh, everyone, like someone gave a good elevator pitch or something and then became, got on with some company or something, but it was the background. There's all that work that happened before that moment. You know, everyone talks about a moment that changed their life, but it wasn't that they just happened to be there at that moment. It was the things they did prior to that at that moment that prepared them for that moment. So, you know, you can be unlucky, but I think, you know, I, I definitely believe in luck, but I think it plays a smaller role in people's lives than they think. I think a lot of luck comes down, good luck comes down to prior planning and bad luck comes down to adverse planning or no planning. But some people like your brother, they even, even if they make bad planning, it happens to work out. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's, 
going to be chance in anything we do. I mean, that's one of the benefits of working outside is there's no uh, there's no absolutes. You know, it's everything is lucky. Whether if you don't get rained on, you don't get all wet, you don't get poison oak. There's a factor of trying to avoid those things, but sometimes it's just it's just luck of where it's going to rain and where it's not. And you know, you can't leave everything. You can't control everything, so maybe it's not as much luck, but acceptance of things you can't control, and maybe that's what luck is, the people who can deal with that lack of control, people who can't. I don't know. I definitely believe in luck, though. So you remind me of a quote. I'm a huge fan of quotes and, you know, hearing speeches and stuff like that. For some reason, it it really attracts to me, and there's a quote of, the harder you work, the luckier, the lucky the harder the work, the luckier you are. And I agree with that, but I don't know if it's luck. I think the harder you work, the more opportunities show up. So it's, I'm still torn on if luck exists or not. It's, I don't know. It's a lot of issues, unfortunately. I'm, I can go both ways. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I, I switch to one side and then the other day I switch to the other. It's trying to figure out what works best for a situation. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I could go both ways on luck sometimes. I, I just think I tend to agree that I think there's some what people chalk up to luck tends to not be luck. But I think there are some random chances that, you know, if you the thing about luck is I think what luck is, is an opportunity. And when people say someone's lucky, what they really did is they seize that opportunity. So lack of action a lot of times is would be perceived as unlucky. But if you seize that opportunity, you're lucky. So like if you were... Uh, I can't think of a good example, but yeah, I, I I definitely, like you said, I could go either way, but I'd lean on the side more of luck is real. Okay. Now, Nick, this is where the hard questions come in. After we talked about life, death, and aliens existence, if, where's the line between soup and cereal? What classifies as a soup and what classifies as a cereal? All right. I'm going to start off on naming things that are not soups. Uh, so ba- cereal is not soup. Chili is not soup. Um... Jambalaya. Jambalaya is not a soup. Gumbo is not a soup. Gumbo is closer to soup than jambalaya for sure, but I would not consider it a soup. I would say soup has to be more liquid than it is solid. For me, it's the sugar content. If it's a sugary liquid with solids in it, then it's a cereal. If it's a non-sugar, I like. I, I'm gonna steal from you, Nick. Of a non-sugary item which is mostly liquid, then it's a soup. So jambalaya, even though it's not sugary, it's mostly solid, not mostly liquid. So therefore, it is not a soup. So for me, cereal is sugar soup, pretty much, and soup is non-sugary liquid. I don't know. That's hard word choice to uh, properly say. That's funny. I don't know if you know this, but jambalaya is like my favorite meal. I did not know this. This is good to know. If you ever visit me in Texas, I'm going to have to take you some uh, nice barbecue and some jambalaya. Sounds good. Then we'll go fishing. I'm going out straight to the Gulf. None of that inland stuff. That's a, that's a bit of a drive from where I'm at, but okay. I, I live in Oregon. We drive all the time. We'll drive. Yeah, me and Blair will drive like eight hours out, go camping somewhere. So I'm not adverse to it. So we're uh, we're going to go where the fishing is good. Actually, we're going to go to Louisiana. I mean, if we go to Louisiana, we're going to New Orleans. <gasps> Nick, I would love to see you during Mardi Gras. Yeah, I've heard that before. I want to see how many beads you get. Um. Anyway, back. So I 
but I also wouldn't consider jambalaya a cereal. I I I would consider jambalaya just a dish. I don't know. I I don't think it's a soup at all or or a cereal. What would what would you call jambalaya? I would say it's the same thing. Whatever like kind of chili is. It's a it's a mixture with a broth almost like almost like I guess a spicy stew. I I. Yeah, I guess it's closer to a stew than than anything. Huh, I don't know. But since you don't text your don't check your text messages, I'm going to keep asking you questions of if you were going to die or you were dying, what advice would you give to an individual? Rather that individual be random individual or someone close to you? Um, I don't know. The the only advice that I would give is kind of the way I live my life is I like to look at my friends or my family and I want to emulate the qualities in those people I respect the most. So I'll take a little bit from each person. So like my mom is really good about caring for everybody. And so that's the quality that I'd want to take from her. Same with my buddy Robert. He's pretty selfless. Um, and then like my buddy Frank, he's like the most loyal guy ever. So I'd want to take that from him. And I guess the advice would be, you know, you, you surround yourself with good people. So learn, take what you can from those people and emulate that in yourself. So I don't think I'll ever be as good a friend as like, say Robert is. He's freaking ridiculous i mean he's not married so he has a time but if i wanted him to i'd be like hey robert come over and he'd be like oh okay and he'd just drive like freaking eight hours to hang out for like a three-hour window it's like dude that's freaking ridiculous don't do that he's like oh i was i just thought you were in town or something but yeah it's uh that's kind of where i would i would I would just take those um, attributes from other people. Yeah, because, you know, you've already recognized attributes you like in those people. So just kind of think about it, figure out what you like and try and emulate them and to be a good person, I guess. But I don't know. My I guess my biggest piece of advice is uh, your job, which is where you spend most of your time, especially if you're me, do something you enjoy. Like, I really like my job. It sucks sometimes it's long hours and it's hard work but you know i'm passionate about it and so it doesn't really seem like work if i was working a job like this that i hated it'd be different but and that's i think that's made my life a lot happier those are my two i would say what about you well i must say you i think hit the nail on the head of your job profession i don't know anyone quite as passionate about their job as you 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 definitely uh bought the farm with choosing your career uh, profession it definitely uh definitely worked out quite well for you i guess if i had to give advice it would boil down to uh go for it whatever it is go for it if you're if you're i don't know a 12 year old about to ask out your first girlfriend or first or, or your first girl go go for it don't hesitate just go for it throw your hat into that ring it never the man who tries is always more respected than the man who said who said what if? Because what if never went to the arena? The man who tries and fails will always be more respected. And I, I wish I learned that younger. And I would give that advice to anyone at any age. Of don't worry, don't worry about, don't worry about it. Just try it, do it. If it, if it doesn't work out for you, now you know. You can learn from it. If you get a little burnt from the fire, you have some character and you have some good story from it. Just go for it. And there's, it's always easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. And the go for it kind of goes for with everything. And there are a lot of things in my life which I wish I went, no hesitation, just went for it. Didn't, I mean, you can hesitate a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's either you're on the field or you're on the sideline and you got to choose. So that, that'd be big for me of just go for it. 
And simple as it is, it's something I've yet to perfect. Now I'm not even good at it, but I, I'm still trying. And it's definitely led me down a better path in my life than hesitating, I guess is a way to say. Do or do not, there is no try. <laughs> Oh, I'm such a sucker for quotes. I've, oh, I love them so much. So I got a, I got a question for you, Mike. We're going to bring it back to history. Oh, boy. If you, if you could live in any time in world history, what time would that be? Oh, it's so hard because I, I'll be honest, I can, I can see myself living in any time. I can see myself being a Viking and you give me an axe, I'll bring you heads. I have zero problems doing that. Or, oh, the Renaissance. The Medici in Florence with the Vinci, Michelangelo, Raphael, the arts, the culture. Or fast forward and go to the Industrial Revolution of the Rockefellers and Vanderbilts of seeing our country turn into not a rookie, but a giant, a tyrant, a, a, not a tyrant, a titan of new steel standard oil but if i had to choose it i would stick the renaissance da vinci is why i got into engineering so i'll stick with da vinci that's a that's a different answer than any of my friends have said but uh, so my follow-up question is what would your occupation be at that time all right hold up what did your friends say because now i'm a little self-conscious i'm not gonna lie uh pretty much well all my friends out west idaho washington oregon natives uh said settling the american west which is also the one i would have chosen i mean don't get me wrong it'd be fun to walk around in moccasins and deerskin and blaze the new trails and trying to see land that only those native people have had and never been any experience with other cultures besides the local cultures that'd be really fun but if i had to make a list it would be probably renaissance vikings egypt rome and then industrial revolution that'd probably be my list in that order but what was your question nick sorry i interrupted you there so my question is what would your occupation be at that time um for renaissance hmm i would want to be an artisan uh especially with my engineering background it'd be i think easier to do or probably a warlord i'm for some reason really good at military tactics i like military history and being familiar with what weapons what their range are what they're capable of doing knowing how far troops can march what's the importance of water and what territory is high ground such like that probably own a mercenary group get hired by a rich banking group like the pansies or the medici conquer a few cities for them and then decide to keep one of them have my own city and become my own controller of course you still got to deal with rome and still pledge allegiance to rome because the whole roman church at that time but yeah probably probably either engineer or warlord what about you nick what's what's your timepiece and occupation because you said explore Mer american west would you want to be a map maker would you want to be a representative for the united states government what what would you want to be funny you say map maker i'd want to be a surveyor i want to be one of the first people out there surveying the land figuring maybe where the railroad went or just creating maps for everyone to use but i'd love to be on the uh one of those first people i mean personally if i could go back to any point in history and do anything i would love to be on the lewis and clark expedition even though it would suck so much and you'd have so much diarrhea and you'd be starving for so much of the time but to go back hike all the way i drive through idaho and oregon all the time 
And every time I'm driving through the varied wilderness of those areas, it's like, I cannot imagine hiking through all this. Just each... Could you imagine hiking for three days, coming across a mountain and realize you have to backtrack three days and walk a X amount of distance north or south just to go around a mountain? Do you have to also realize with their party, they would send out people to go get food. People would hike for three days to go catch some salmon, hike three days back. By the time those salmon got back to the main group, it was all warm and moldy, but they had to eat it because that's all they had. And that was like... A common occurrence no guts no glory if you want glory you got to pay the price but i guess since we both have our own historical events that are significant to us i wonder not just historical significance uh, what about a personal object of significance like what's a weird art or object that you have that inspires you or you have a memory tied to it or story tied to it or it makes you remind or reminds you of like the old west or or ancient greeks or something like that do you have an object in your home like a piece of artwork that you really enjoy because it reminds you of a different time period i have a, a bunch of posters they're all world war ii propaganda posters about national defense of for of forest united states forest during world war ii i'm looking at one right now it's got hitler and tojo on it and it says our carelessness their secret weapon prevent forest fires in partnership with the state forest service and u.s department of agriculture and i look at these pictures and what i see most is at this time everyone in the united states realized the value of our forest products of what they did to the united states i mean not to brag but spruce was a great wood to build ships out or to build airships planes out of in world war ii world war one is light allies didn't have it Spruce is a son of a bitch, is pokey as hell, but we had an advantage in our wood products. We had it's not the first time the United States had an advantage in their wood products. It's the same with why we are seen as such a resource during the Revolutionary War, which is why the French wanted to, you know, sign on with us because we gave them a bunch of wood because Europe had been highly depleted of their wood products, um, so they didn't have large timber to make ship masts out of. Our ship masts in the United States were made out of a single piece of wood. We're in England or Europe, UK, whatever you're going to call it, they'd have to use three pieces, which and tie them together, which is not as effective. And uh, for me, it's I, I live in an era where our industry is seen as the enemy. And it's, it's nice to look at that and be like, there's a time in our nation's history where we were seen as the good guys. So what comes around goes around. So, you know, environmentalists, you're up next. But <laughs> that's that's always good to know that it's, it's kind of, to me, it's almost like the cat poster of hang in there for, for you of, hey, wasn't always like this. And it can return back to uh, to how it used to be. So what's yours? For me, I have a 1901 typewriter, and I it still works, fully functional, both black and red ribbon. And I don't know, I really like that industrial look, the metal and wood look. And typewriters, to me, it's why I'm also so fascinated with guns, is the engineer in me knows there's no wasted movement everything moved how it's supposed to be and when i hear that like i my family was poor so we didn't when computers came out we didn't have one i actually learned how to properly type on a typewriter not a keyboard which is probably weird to future generations but that's how i learned how to write papers was on a keyboard uh, not a keyboard a, a typewriter so having an this thing's a, weighs a ton it probably weighs close to 50 pounds and i absolutely love it just hearing the click clack the history of it 
that almost like Hemingway of sitting in a room with cigar, with a glass of brandy, writing a, a book with a, I don't know, a Victorian chair. I don't know. It, it makes me realize that you can do so much with so little. With no technology, like uh, modern technology, no phones, no internet, no easy way to communicate across your town, let alone countries, they were able to come up with a typewriter. Something, something right now, if as an engineer, I was told to build I would have to do so much thinking and planning to do it, yet they're able to do it without the internet. It, I don't know. That, that's definitely an art piece to me that I absolutely enjoy owning and having. So we talked about if you could own any or what items of art made you happy. So my next question is what items that may or may not exist if you could own would make you happy? Maybe from like film or something. For me, I would love to have like the prop of from indiana jones the idol from the first indiana jones where he put the sand on the plate and then ran out with it and then he ran to the float plane it's like that would be cool to have just because man i love indiana jones i mean that's a good one to have (laughs) indiana jones is is probably one of the best characters ever written huh that's a tough one for me because if it's from a movie or tv show etc i'm not quite sure real life i would like a bridgemore vertical mill that that piece of machinery is so beautiful to me and works so well i've almost all my money i've ever had goes to machinery and tools so i always like having the tools to make something myself so a bridgeport vertical mill is on my bucket list of things to own and maybe hopefully one day soon i'll be able to own it but if i had to say movie item probably a rifle from one of the john wayne movies john wayne was a huge influence on me and i god i must have watched el dorado and war wagon over a thousand times by now so having like a john wayne hat or a john wayne rifle or like i remember in real labo he had a pinto horse and that horse was so beautiful so if i ever ever retire and want to ride out into the sunset i would love to have the same type of horse so that that's that's probably mine so so two questions for you one north to alaska you're familiar yeah i'm familiar i don't know i was more so we're not i wasn't i was about to start quoting it but we won't do that um oh okay second maybe i need to revise that i would love if i could have anything in the world it would be the poncho clint eastwood used in the man with no name series for those of you who don't know i don't even know if you know this mike i'm a big poncho guy I love to wear my poncho when I am, uh, how do the kids say it, recreationally binge drinking. <laughs> uh, that's I did not know that, Nick. I'm, I'm learning more and more about you every week. Yeah, I have a poncho I picked up from a swap meter, whatever you call them. But uh, yeah, and I, I like to wear that when I get drunk, like really drunk. And um, But yeah, man, Clint Eastwood. I mean, Clint Eastwood inspired the poncho, obviously. But I would love, love to have that poncho. I'd also love to just wear a poncho and shoot my six-shooter, which I now have a six-shooter. So life is good. Ooh, is it Smith & Weston, Colt? No. Remington, what is it's it? It's Colt. Nice, nice. Is it a, uh, God, what's the remake of Colt? It starts with U. No, no, not the U-Birdie. Yeah, is it, it's not U-Birdie? No, it's an actual Colt. It's, my grandpa gave it to me for a wedding, and it is, it's, uh, I'll send you a picture, but it is the most beautiful gun I have ever seen in my entire life. It's a three fifty seven with a six-inch barrel that has Paisley engraving all over it. And it's black. God damn it, Nick. I am jealous just by the description, let alone seeing a picture of it. Oh, you should be jealous. 
it may it may be the happiest day of my life when I got that. <laughs> and I think I got it a day before my wedding. Nah, nah. In case Blair's listening, kidding. it was after the wedding. Wink, wink. Yep, that was definitely not the happiest day of my life for the one very specific person who may or is probably not listening to this anyway. But yeah. <laughs> for those who don't know, occasionally I get to be graced with talking with Blair because I've known her for quite a while or hear conversations of Nick and Blair in the background. <laughs> and the amount she makes fun of us is absolutely hilarious. It's like... It's like almost a big sister making fun of her little brothers in the basement playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's like on that level, if so to speak. Yeah, it's super fun. I love, I love it. It's all good. <laughs> um, so I guess I have another question for you then, Mike. Obviously, I just I own my dream gun now. I have a three fifty seven Colt that's engraved, and I have a forty five seventy lever action that's a Henry, the brass model with an octagon barrel. What are your dream guns? All right, so that's a complicated question. So I've actually designed a few guns that I eventually want to make and bring to life in the real world. Granted, I only have engineering drawings of them. I don't have the machinery to do it, nor the money to do it. But yeah, I get it. Wink, ATF. <laughs> Eventually, I would like to bring those to life. That'd be really cool to see my own firearms in production. But a big one for me is the British Lee Enfield rifle, it, especially the Mark III. For some reason to me, that World War One gun is so beautiful to me, and I don't, I don't know why. That just call, calls to me. Like more cla- guns that have a certain niche or a kind of historic so love lever actions i love traditional bolt actions and i love modern guns that have not a normal history so like um the 45 acp vector it's 10 it has a recoil system that aims its recoil system down more towards your hand than back into your shoulder the aa12 which is a automatic semi-automatic or is it automatic it's a automatic uh 12 gauge shotgun that has like zero recoil because it's like a dual uh, dual buffer system a the so like guns that have either a outside appearance that's beautiful to me like lever action or the mark three enfield specifically for some reason that rifle that in the springfield 1901 those bolt action rifles so pretty to me or guns that go down the rabbit hole a little bit and kind of are black sheep of the gun family where they're different they're odd like the p90 is a top loader magazine that has if you ever watch the magazine it rotates the bullets as it goes into the gun. Just like weird little niches on that. So Mark III, uh, 80, 80, was it 1973 or is it 94? Lever Action Remington, P90. And then a gun I own, which is up there, would be my grandfather's M1 carbine that he carried during the Pacific War during World War II. So kind of was all over the board there, but those are definitely, definitely dreams. But Nick, what about you? Besides your fancy cult that you got over there, how do you? What guns do you dream about? Um, well, I'm not gonna talk about how many guns I own, ATF. But uh, I have a good amount of one or two firearms. And if I had to own anything, I, the only thing I need now is I'd like a, f- a full size H and K pistol because just. The, you can f- pick up an H&K in field quality, but if I could own any firearm, I'd love to 
own an old lever action. I have a new lever action made by Henry, which is one of the historical companies and a good brand. I mean, they invented the lever action, but I'd love to own a lever action that is like, uh, is it like a couple, like 70 years old or 100 years old or something like that, that, I mean, I can never afford one, but for those of you who never picked up an old gun that maybe it's your grandfather's or something and you can pick it up and you can f- you can see the wear you can feel how light it's gotten from just the erosion of being used and you can f- you feel that history exactly you feel the history you know there's a story there and i've never held one of those old guns but i've seen in museums these old lever actions these old six shooters and man i wish each of those was attached with a freaking word doc of what their life was because It'd be wild. Oh, the stories they could tell. God, the stories they could tell. And the crazy part is, is you can look at those things, and for whatever reason, you can tell that they have stories. You just don't know what they are. But you can look at them like, that's been used. Like, that's seen things. That's that's lived a life of roller roller coaster of emotions. Like, it's, it's crazy what an inan- inanimate object, the feelings you can draw from it. Well, now, Nick... Because you said that, I got a question for you. What is one thing, if you had money, you would buy to better your life personally? Now, it can be a gun. It could be gym equipment. It could be a new truck. If you had just a blank check for whatever one item you'd want to better your life personally, what would it be? Um. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> so my life, it's pretty good. I, I don't really need a new truck. I have my kayak for fishing, and I'm more than satisfied with that. What about a deep sea boat, though? The only thing I can't buy is time. No, I like the kayak. I like the being close to the water. I like because I've read a lot of books about indigenous people or in like, I hate that term. I don't know what people, human beings, how they used to fish and kayaks was a part of that. And I feel closer to the environment in a kayak than I do in water. I feel closer to the past history of humanity in a kayak than I do the water, um, than I do in a boat. So I really like my kayak for that. But to make my life easier, um, this is kind of a long story, but it's freaking hilarious. So this is what I think would bring me the most personal joy. I drive a lot of windy roads, highways off the highway, winding forest roads. But where I live on the highways, it's only a one lane, you know, you got your east, west or north, south lane. There's passing lanes every 10 miles if you're lucky. Well, some people, we're not going to name names. That's not true. Californians, they're not used to corners, I guess. So they'll drive 45 miles an hour in a 55. (laughs) Now, from my personal truck, I can do 65 easy. And from my work truck, I'll drive the speed limit a little above because I don't want to get in trouble in the work truck. But I'll never drive 45. And I understand if you're not used to those roads, you don't need to drive, you know, as fast as I do. I know what corners are coming up and blah, blah, blah. Now, here's what happens. I don't fault anyone for driving slow on those roads. They're dangerous roads. If you feel like you need to drive slow, drive slow. But when you get to a passing lane, don't speed up. Let those guys behind you who know those roads, who are going to pass you, get around you. Don't floor it to 70 on the fast lane or the single on the passing lane to try to make up time. You're already going 10 miles below. You're not going to make it up in a 30 second passing lane. This is a real uh, grievance to me and my coworkers and anyone who lives here, uh, Mike. So this may not seem like a lot, but this is a, it can mean, and I'll give you an example. 
during the summer, no, I'll exp- I'll explain what I want later, but I'm just trying to give explain the reason why. So during the summer tourism season, it'll take from Reedsport to Coos Bay, it'll take me anywhere from 40 minutes to 50 minutes. During the winter, when no tourists are around, it'll take me 30 minutes. So for that short drive, it's already adding 10 minutes. And that's not even a very windy road. When you take it onto 38 or 42, which are windier highways, you're adding 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how fast these RVs and trucks are going, whatever. What I would like, right before you get into Coos Bay, which is where I live, there is a big marsh. And if I had unlimited money, I would build a fake off-ramp that flies right into the marsh. And above that... There's a sign that says if you go if you drive below the speed limit but speed up on the passing lanes turn off here and it's just a ramp that goes into the marsh. So you want a remote control governor for other people's cars pretty much. Yes, but more so I would like those people I mean yes, that would be nice. I would like a remote control governor to stop them from doing that. I would like them to realize how ridiculous they're being but i would also like them to drive off that off lane but i would i want that off lane because everyone who's local will drive past that and they've been behind some california asshole for 20 miles while their fucking tesla ass drives whatever the fuck speed like 10 miles under the speed limit and they're not gonna be able to get around that person because we just don't have the road to do that we don't have the land and it's not gonna solve any problems but you know what's gonna do it's gonna bring joy to all of these people who live here and they're gonna be like man that made my day and that's what i want to do i want to it's not going to solve anything maybe it'll bring awareness but man would it be fucking hilarious nick you you remind me of a issue i had when i lived in uh the southern tip of illinois is the people who are not from the southern tip of illinois would not turn off their high beams when they're co- on coming to you so if you're driving late at night you turn on the high beams cuz you don't want to hit a deer a coyote a bobcat or some something in the road but if you have another car coming towards you you lower you turn off your high beam so you don't blind the other driver but for some reason those people them motherfuckers don't turn off their high beams when they're coming towards you because and so you instantly know those people visiting or driving through where i'm staying and it was just hmm that was so frustrating. So I, I luckily have never been stuck behind traffic like you, Nick, on a constant basis. But I can relate if that if that makes you feel any better. I can relate. So what if at, like um, somewhere on that road it says if you don't turn your high beams off, turn off here, and it's just a ramp into a lake? I mean, like how hilarious would that be? I've done dumber. I've attached a homemade ancient ballista to the back of a pickup truck to shoot three pound rebar bolts so i'm down to do that just uh give me some spray paint some metal and i can make that happen i in short for me if it had to be money something i could physically buy not something i wish i had because i agree with you nick it'd be time I, i wish i could buy time or discipline i wish i had better discipline but to stay on the discipline honestly a manager if i had a lot of money Someone to be Pepper Potts and I'll be Iron Man of, hey, stay on topic. Stay stay focused. Don't get distracted. Hey, no, no. You don't need to learn about why the ancient Athens had this weird religion. No, no, no. Stay on topic. Right, keep writing this code. Keep designing this. Keep welding this. I think having a manager like that, it would be, it'd be, uh, 
for those who don't know, I'm like I'm like a dog. I'm like a pit bull. I'm super loyal to you. I'll work till I die. But if I see a butterfly in the field, I'm chasing the butterfly. I <laughs> that's, that's the only way I can describe it. So that that'd be my answer. Would be a manager, like someone Cl- classic Sadie. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not very far off from your dog. I'm not gonna lie. There's a reason why I like animals more than people. It's because I am one. That's a good point, though. You're, you kind of made me think of something. Is uh, well, I'll ask you, or I guess I'll answer it. Then I'll let, then you can figure it out. But a vacation that you took, or what would you, if you could spend unlimited money to take you and your friends on a vacation, what would you do? Me personally, one of my favorite vacations. I went down to see my buddy Henry, who lives in Florida with another friend of mine from Idaho and we went fishing and it was just the best. I mean, we were all hardcore fishermen of varying fisheries and it's uh we we went and fished and it was just awesome. It was a great time. One of my f- favorite uh vacations ever during COVID, but whatever. That tickets are cheap and uh but man, I I really love that. If I could do anything, I'd I'd uh, bring all my buddies down to Florida or something, do some inshore, offshore fishing with all my friends, and that'd be the vacation that if I could, if I had unlimited money, that's what I would do. I'd bring all my friends down there, and we'd do some crazy fishing. So unfortunately, I have a hard time narrowing to just one. My my bucket list is quite long, but I'll give you three. Two of them will be quick. The last one is probably the most relevant to what Nick just said. One being, I want to spend 10 days just horseback riding like little westerns. No cell phones, no technology, everything. Just you pack up your horse or your mule and you ride out in the Great Plains and you just see the grass and the clouds that go on forever. And you camp and you and you drink cowboy coffee and bonfire. Someone brings a guitar, no no technology. That'd be one. One. Another one would be one of my cousins, much older than me. He spent his entire life sailing around the world. And I would get random letters like, hey, we're on, we're at the tip of Brazil. We'll talk to you when we get to the Pacific Ocean. And they'll send, like, they'll send letters and stuff like that. So the ocean and water have always called to me. So, it, so sailing the world would be interesting. But one a little bit more realistic that I've talked to with a lot of my college buddies is I like riding motorcycles. I'm a big motorcycle guy. Would be we all get some dirt bikes, some kind of off-road motorcycles, fly them to Africa to Mount Karanjamo and drive up that mountain and camp along the way. So it would be a wide open African motorcycle ride up a mountain. And that's that's something we've seriously talked about and started planning out. So if I had to choose a vacation that if I had a lot of money I would do, it'd be that one of go there, buy some cheap motorcycles fix them up a little bit for off-roading i want them to break down along the way i feel like the stories and the comedy of oh boy uh my (laughs) moose knuckle just broke down i uh i gotta i gotta fix this on the side of the road would be so much fun yeah kind of uh i guess a lot of traveling a lot of uh a lot of moving and exploring and it's i don't know sometimes it's the journey not the destination is my kind of vacations so to say Wow, Africa would have picked the one place that's like about equal in wildness to Florida. <laughs> we always pick on Florida. Poor Florida. Yeah, but they deserve it. I'll be honest. I'd rather go through a mountain lion pack than go through the Everglades of Florida. There, Those swamps and the bayous where you can't see anything with the water, that scares me a lot more than a lion. I guess not knowing 
creates more fear in a human brain than knowing your danger. So if a honey badger can take on a pack of lions, I think I got a shot, but I don't think a honey badger will ever be able to take on a gator in Florida. No, probably not. Classic Florida. This might be a little specific question, but do you have a favorite animal story? Like, I love honey badgers. For some reason, they might be my spirit animal. And one specific story I keep remembering is this honey badger at this reservation, I think in South Africa, was in this pen. And it just kept escaping. Like, it would burrow underneath the walls. It would climb up trees and jump off trees. And would purposely go to the lion's den to pick lion to pick fights with lions. Like it wasn't just escaping to escape; it was escaping with a mission. And every time they kept putting it back, they kept they kept deepening the walls of cement and raising the walls. They would cut down all the trees so it can't escape. So the honey badger would roll rocks to the edge in a corner and keep piling up so it can escape, so it could go find a female or go back to the lion's pen and start fighting lions again. And for some reason, I'll never forget that story. It just feels like, like it's kind of like a hold my beer kind of moment of, hey, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. Come high hell, hell or high water, I'm going to fight that lion. So that, that to me, has always resonated a lot with me with Africa and honey, honey badgers. Like, you can't fuck with honey Don't fuck with honey badgers. But, man, they, they must be my spirit animal. What about you, Nick? Does any funny animal story pop to mind that really resonates with you? I mean, I have a lot of wild animal stories. Um, I'd love to hear them. I, you had a experience with a mountain lion not too long ago, if I remember correctly. Mountain lions freak me out because you don't hear them. They they could be right behind you and you don't know. Mountain lions, they're such good predators, and those 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 motherfuckers scare me. Yeah, I was out hunting in the, the coastal area, and I had about 40, 60 feet visibility to mountain lion. Ran through at the very end of that and super fast. I mean, tail up, but... I'm 99% sure as a mountain lion, but it was so fast I could barely tell. But the problem was it was, you know, it ran and my pickup was south of me. The mountain lion was south of me and I was north of my pickup. So I had to figure out like, well, we're just going to walk through wherever this mountain lion ran from. And I've seen a mountain lion a few other times, but they're one of the only really things that scare me. You know, bears, we just have black bears where I work. So they're, you know, you can pretty much yell at them and they'll leave or you leave and they're not going to chase you. Mountain lions, it's, you know, they're, they're going to run away for the most part. But, you know, if you spook them, then they might attack you. I don't know. It's they freak me out more than bears. But, you know, just uh, I think it's it's important to have those interactions for humanity. I think humanity needs to realize we are not apex predators. And I think a lot of these difficult decisions we would need to make about nature, people would really benefit by realizing, oh shit, I might die out here. You know, I think people need more of that, but nothing's super crazy. I mean, I've been around different animals and when we were in Alaska in the backcountry, we saw bears and it's just what it is. I mean, you're in nature. Don't expect there not to be things that can kill you. But I do think the majority of Americans need to realize we aren't the top of the food chain and we haven't been and we will not continue to be. Yeah, we are not apex predators when we're out in the woods. That's for sure. And big cats or pack animals out in the woods scare me the most. Like, you think wolves are all fluffy dogs? No. No, sir. You think uh, mountain lion is your house cat? No. No, sir. Those 
those motherfuckers those when i when i go like hiking like way out there where it's like a more than a day's hike for my car i i uh am a very light sleeper we'll put it that way very nicely that's that's for sure but it kind of it kind of adds on to a little bit of where where's a, an unusual place or places you've been to nick some place that maybe someone hasn't gone to or Something, a place that's simple to you that might be significant for you. Like, for example, for me, I remember me and an ex-girlfriend at the time went on a weekend trip somewhere in Michigan, and I love exploring. So I was just driving around. We were going deep into the woods, these one path, like, and we ended up going down this one dirt path, which I don't even know where we were supposed to be or go to. And it was, it was so tight, this road, where I couldn't turn around if I wanted to because it was so thick of brush, and it, it, it was slow and slow inch, and... We keep going. We went for about three miles deep into the woods. And all of a sudden, we came across this tattered old sign. I swear to God. Straight out of like a horror movie. And it said, Red's Carnival. And the banner over where you could drive your car underneath was just tattered and worn. And me being me, I clapped a little bit going, ooh, let's go down here. Because it looked creepy and weird. And she goes, I will leave you and I will walk home right now. But I'm like, but I'm like. But there's a there's a creepy path with a good story down it. I mean, this was straight out of the beginning of a horror film. Of course, me being going, ooh, let's go, let's go down the deep dark cave. But on that same trip, being less creepy, was we went to go see shooting stars, and we found this one spot which made me feel so big and so small at the same time. To best describe it, it was a field with a circle of trees around it. So you were almost like in a dome, I guess is a safe way to say. So when you f- saw the stars move and the the night light night time shift of planets moving and stuff like that, you felt like you were in a museum and watching the stars fly by. And I never felt so big and so small at the same time, and I'll never forget that feeling. That that w- those were two unusual places on the same weekend trip for me of a creepy carnival and stars. What about you, Nick? You've you've been out there in the woods and are a well-traveled man. What about what what places do you think have you been unusual to or something that's been an impact on you? That's a that's a tough question. Um, so one of the craziest places I've been after doing all the coral reef research and realizing like, how wild it is is I've been to a lot of different coral reefs. Uh, I've been scuba diving and and seen that and seen different corals and and I appreciate at the time I thought it was crazy and wild but not really understanding the how elusive that was just this this unbleached coral reef this picture of perfection of what we would call a you know an undamaged coral reef but I mean every for all of mine they're all very nature related one of the one of the most disappointing places I've ever been is I went to the uh oh shoot where what's um the shot heard around the world what is it called Mike it's the uh when the Americans and the British and there is the protest oh in Boston in Boston I went to that spot and it was just a placard and high rises all around it's like this is fucking depressing <laughs> like this right here history changed the entire world like literally the entire world a few man's actions and uh it's just a plaque with buildings around it it's kind of sad but you know different things throughout my life i mean the stars out west are incredible like we don't have uh light pollution out here and a lot of places in town you do and 
but there's it's so easy to get outside of it and just to see stars i mean it's not uncommon you know i'm up way before the sun is i'd say one out of every 10 days i see a shooting star but it's those days i see like the meteor showers that are it's just it's wild it's a I mean, to see stuff like that every day, it, it's crazy. And the first time I saw just like a beautiful set of stars to see the night sky and really appreciate it, like it was, it was insane. One of, uh, you know, I, I saw out on a fire, we were camping out overnight and I saw the, the northern lights and this is like a puny northern lights. It was like basically one little cloud that was green and waving in the night sky, but it was still crazy. And, uh, but just all these things they're all very nature related and i think the craziest place i'd say to ever been is uh my honeymoon me and my wife we did a, a fly in to one airstrip hike to another fly out alaskan backcountry trip and we hiked from about 5,000 feet down to about 2,000 feet we had some elevation gain and loss i think we can't exactly remember what it was but we hiked from the snow across moss across rocks down through a stream crossed a stream ended at a glacier and uh it was part of being out there and for for those of you who have never been to alaska it is insane it is like nothing i've ever seen before it is a land before time i'm a huge ecological geological history nerd and being in alaska was like being at the start you know you can tell that what is there in however many years will become what is now michigan just you can see how geology unfolds throughout time but it is like going back in time leaving michigan to go to that place but we were out there in the middle of Wrangell st elias national park realizing the next human was probably over 30 air miles away at least that's a long time i've that's the farthest away i've ever been from another human in my entire life and it was exciting but it was also terrifying but it was fun like i had you know i was prepared like i had a very extensive medical kit we i had my 4570 lever action buffalo gun so we were ready for bears we had bear spray we had we each had a uh, a gun and, and bear spray and i had medical we had food for all of it but being that far out in the wilderness is uh it's awesome but it it is it in parts terrifying which i think most things are mike you know part fun part terrifying definitely being out of your comfort zone is the most growth and probably the most significant on a person's life and we've touched on a lot of topics and i assume we'll be doing this again but i'd be very curious to hear people's spot of a location where they they thought was unusual or very huge impact on them like maybe in philadelphia seeing where they signed the declaration of independence or maybe can visit the pyramids in giza and please inform us tell us ask us questions on instagram or facebook at backyard philosophy and nick can they find us on twitter no they cannot and you probably frankly shouldn't even be on twitter yourself <laughs> and why is that nick because twitter is a dumpster fire and you can't express well-rounded ideas in 240 characters i love that i love twitter's dumpster fire every time but as we bring this podcast to a close it's i hope you've learned more about us more about the podcast interactions and i hope that you've also learned of hey you don't have to know everything when you start a project you can be like i like to say two fools with a capital f we just kind of we kind of jumped in if you want to swim you got to get wet and uh we definitely definitely did that so nick as we close off is there any other questions you'd like to ask or anything else you'd like to say no um i would like to know i don't know if you answered that question of what is the most 
the, the farthest you felt from humanity. I'm saving that to answer for when I go to space and I'm away from everyone on Earth and I can be like Rick and Morty and just flick everyone off as I drift into space never to see our planet ever again. Sounds good. Well, that's, uh, that's all we got here. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.